You're listening to Detroit Today on 101.9 WDET. I'm Stephen Henderson, and as always, thanks very much for tuning in. Lavora Barnes has had a long and accomplished career in politics. She's worked on successful campaigns from the local level all the way up to the White House. And recently, she was elected as the first person of color to lead the Michigan Democratic Party. This all happens at a really critical moment, just after Michigan helped elect Donald Trump in 2016, just as Democrats now have control again of Michigan's governor's mansion for the first time in eight years, and just as Democrats in Washington are weighing whether to impeach the president. A lot on her plate as she takes this role. I want to welcome Lavora Barnes, chair of the Michigan Democratic Party, to Detroit today. It's great to see you. Thank you. It's terrific to be here. Yeah. So let's start where we ended the last conversation. Uh, we were talking about these bills that are taking shape in Lansing, as well as in capitals across the country that really turn uh Roe v. Wade, the Supreme Court uh, decision that legalized abortion or prevented states from uh, criminalizing it, it really turns it on its head. I mean, these are bills that go much, much further than things we've seen in the recent past or in the distant past. I'm curious what your reaction is to what's what's going on. I will say, first of all, Stephen, that part, part of the part of the thing we should all think is that elections matter, right? Um, the fact that we have a governor who can Local veto. Local elections exactly, matter, right? right. <laughs> we have a governor who can veto these heinous bills if they come across her desk. And we have a terrific set of legislator, legislators who have stood up against these bills. I don't know if you've seen some of the things our legislators are saying on the House and Senate floor, um, but they're fighting back hard on this because they understand that this is a, a gross, gross overreach in terms of taking away women's rights to make decisions about their own bodies. And it is happening all across the country. It's a concerted effort by the Republicans to to force this issue, to try to force it to the Supreme Court, because they think they've got a shot at overturning Roe v. Wade. And we have to use all the power we have to stop them. And that's why elections mean so much at the local level and all the way up. So uh, is it your sense that they're right about this calculus they're making? Um, as I was saying in the last segment, I spent five years covering the Supreme Court, five terms uh, in Washington. I, I don't read the court right. this way. Right. I don't I don't think that they've got the pickups that they think they have. I mean, they have justices uh, in seats who are uh, more opposed, I think, in principle to the idea of abortion than their predecessors. Yeah. But, you know, we used to always say in Washington, you got to be able to count to five. Right. right? And if you can't, you can't get anything done. You can't get done. anything done. That's exactly right. I, I hope you're right. I think that when I look at this court, um, it frightens me. Um, I think that, you know, the, the most recent addition to the court is is a, a scary one. And I think that they are um, calculating that they've got the votes that they need. And um, I'm hoping that they're not right about that. But what we need to do is stop them before they get it there, because um, I can't trust this court. Um, I don't think any of us should. Mm. Uh, I also wonder what you make of the effect of gerrymandering Mm. on this issue. Um, uh, This legislature in Michigan looks the way it does because Republicans drew it with a hyper-partisan goal in mind. The courts have just told them that that was unconstitutional and they would like them to redo it. That won't take shape before we have to resolve this issue. And I wonder how different it might look 
if you had more competitive right. districts right. that more Democrats might have a shot at winning. I agree. I think when you draw districts so polarized the way that we have, you end up with um, very, very, very right wing folks running in the Republican seats and terrifically liberal folks running in the, <laughs> in the Democratic <laughs> seats. Um, but that means that issues like this have um, four, four mothers and four fathers in the legislature who are willing to put them forward because they've been elected by an electorate that's very narrow in their focus um, on issues like this. I think that the fact that they're rushing this through now may also have a little bit to do with the fact that the courts are telling them to redraw these lines and none of them know if their seats are safe. None of them know what these seats will look like next time. Um, if they are truly drawn fairly, they will be held by more moderate individuals who will not do this sort of thing, which is why it's so important that we decided as a, as a state to draw our lines by um, not allowing the uh, legislators to draw their own lines, but having you know, voters and regular citizens draw those lines. And um, I'm, I'm excited that we get there in, in 2022. And I'm, I'm, I'm cautiously optimistic <laughs> that in 2020, we'll get to draw some new lines and um, fix some of these problems. But this is why the rush to get these sort of things done, because I think they see their end is near. Hmm. Yeah. yeah. Uh, let's talk a little about your background, what mm. you bring to this uh, position. You've been involved in the, the party for a really long time. Um, talk about what uh, what experiences you feel like you will be drawing on yeah. to, to lead the party. Yeah, I have I have been, Stephen, trying to age me here, a really long <laughs> time. Um, and, and I started, I'm originally from Virginia, and I started working in politics. I had a professor who ran for office and um, asked for volunteers, and I volunteered, and I've, I've been doing this sort of work ever since. Um, my mother is still waiting for me to show up for the LSAT and go to law school. Um, but but the, the thing that I've learned over the years is is, is twofold. One, I, I have a lot of experience working with candidates and helping candidates prepare to run um, and to run good, strong campaigns. And number two, I have a lot of experience with staff, training staff up to be campaign staffers. And um, I'm trying, Lavore's Army is out there all over Michigan. People who've worked for me all over the country now at this point, worked for me and with me over the years. And um, I enjoy sort of bringing young folks into this this business and helping them learn how to do the work and get some satisfaction out of helping get good folks elected. Um, I say it's my social work, right? I'm not a social worker. Probably could have been a social worker. <laughs> went, went went to graduate school for a minute in social work, but um, <laughs> really, it's about finding good folks to to run for office and then helping them craft a message that gets them elected and then putting good folks in place who will make a difference in the lives of people. This is the way I do it. This is the way I contribute. Mm. Uh, at the same time, uh, the the headlines when you won this this role uh, were all about the first yes. uh, first person of color first person of color who's a woman to lead the party uh, is this uh, the thing that I guess jumped out to me about that is the contrast, right? Mm -hmm. uh, you have these and this is happening all over the country where you have these remarkable ceiling shattering moments uh, unfolding with African Americans and Latinos and Muslim Americans winning things that they they had not before just a few years yeah. after the the nation uh, you know put Donald Trump into office and and of course it was not by popular majority but uh, you know he won the election at least the way it's structured in this country I I, I, I sort of feel like there's this uh, push and pull going on yes. in a much more dramatic fashion yes. than we've seen. Yeah, oh, I agree. And I think that our nation has been moving this direction for years. Like as as our population changes and grows, we become a, a more minority 
country than we were. The, the, the majority is no longer the majority as we move forward. Mm-hmm. Um, but we had to sort of break through the ceiling for all of this to happen. And I think, frankly, Donald Trump punched a bunch of holes in that ceiling for us mm-hmm. with his behavior, with his rhetoric, with the way he treats individuals of any difference from him um, has given all of us who are different from him the room to speak up, the room to speak out, and the room to punch through. Um, and that's why you see not only here in Michigan we have an African-American woman chairing the party, but we've got new African-American women chairing parties all over the country, which is beautiful. We've got new women and men of color being elected all over the country. And a lot of that is in response to all of us standing up and saying, this is our country, right? Mm-hmm. This, is, this is ours as much as it is it's yours and as much as you want to hold us down. We're going to fight through. My guest is Lavora Barnes. She is the newly elected chair of the Michigan Democratic Party. We're talking about uh, the milestone of her election. We're talking about some of the issues that the party and the state and the nation face uh, as she takes this role. If you want to join the conversation, give us a call. What direction do you think the Democratic Party needs to take here in Michigan? Uh, are there ways that you think Michigan can help Democrats win back the White House or the Senate uh, or the state capitol in 2020? Also, if you're a Democrat, what kind of candidates do you hope to see representing the party in the next elections? As always, the number on the phones is 313-577-1019. That's 313 313- Five seven seven one zero one nine. You can also go to the WDET Facebook page and put comments there, or you can go to Twitter and hashtag Detroit Today, and we'll work you into the conversation. Uh, Leroy, I want to talk some about 2020. Um, I was one of those people who sat there on election night in 2016 and just kind of scratched my head about what was going on right here in Michigan as the as the returns were coming in. I was surprised by two things. One, the the low turnout in Detroit, much lower than it had been in 2012 or certainly in 2008, but also this incredible surge of voters in places like Macomb County who had been voting Democratic for a while, switching to, uh, to back the president. Um, talk about, from your vantage point, where you start, where do you start the conversation about how to do it differently next year uh, if, if your goal is to flip Michigan back to blue? Yeah, that is absolutely our goal, to flip Michigan back to blue and to re-elect Gary Peters and to pick up a state house. Um, and, and the work to do that started that, that morning, you know, after that election, because we all woke up realizing that we, we had failed to have conversations with voters about why it was important to vote, why it was important to vote Democratic and what the issues were that were important to them that were also important to our Democratic candidates. Um, so we immediately bl- began working on the field program that helped us make 2018 happen. Um, We put organizers in the field in early 2017. We've had them there ever since. We will continue to have them there. Um, We've got a program now where we're talking to voters year-round. We're not waiting until um, the September of the election year to have these conversations, but we're having neighbors talk to their neighbors about why they are Democrats. You know, walk up to that door and say, I'm a Democrat. What's the issue that's important to you? Let me talk about where Democrats are on that issue. And it makes a huge difference to have those conversations early and often rather than just showing up and saying, please vote and not having given anybody a chance to have a conversation about why or even a reason why. When you think about the the gap, I guess, between, say, those 20,000 Detroiters who did not show up in 2016 who had voted in 2012 and 
the folks in Macomb who had been voting Democratic and switched to Republican. I mean, there are there are different issues at play in both of those spaces. And the Democratic Party, when it's successful, is able to to, to sort of wrap its arms around all of it. And I, I kind of feel like what happened in 2016 was you sort of lost control on both ends. You lost your grip on on those things. Yeah. Uh, but is there a tension between those two things that you have to address with each side? In other words, uh, they, they seem more and more suspicious of each other. Mm-hmm. They seem more and more as though maybe they don't even live in the same country. Mm. I think that w- one of the things we have to talk about, I say it all the time, is we have to walk and chew gum at the same time, which means we have to be able to have conversations both in the city of Detroit and in the suburbs like Macomb County and Oakland County. And I think that what we have this cycle are issues that resonate in all of those communities. Everybody wants health care that they can count on. Everybody wants an economy that lifts everyone up and not just the rich. Everyone wants an infrastructure that fixes their roads and makes them have clean water to drink in their homes. And those are the things that we'll talk about. And we can talk about that in any community in Michigan and have it resonate with those voters. Um, That said, our candidates also have to be able to go into a community and have specific conversations about the issues that impact that community specifically, which is why I'm saying to every candidate I talk to, come to Michigan, come often and have lots of conversations all over the state. You can't just drop in to one part of Michigan and think you've covered it. You have to go everywhere. You have to go north, south, east, west (laughs) um, and have conversations conversations with all kinds of voters. And I think they're hearing me. I think they're listening to me on the presidential level. I know that Gary Peters is everywhere and is going to continue to be everywhere having those conversations. So I feel strongly that we are in a really good position for 2020, having had those conversations started already, and then they will continue throughout the rest of this year and next year. Uh, In our next segment, we're going to talk about the reforms, if you can call them those, uh, that are being proposed about our no-fault insurance system here in Michigan. Before I let you go, I'd love to hear your reaction to these bills that are taking shape and may land on the governor's desk. Is this the way to to rethink insurance? It's fascinating to me um, because we've been talking about this issue in insurance. I worked in the state house in the early 2000s and we were talking about this issue then, talking about redlining, fighting hard to find ways to figure out this problem of people's costs being so ridiculously high, mm-hmm. so ridiculous in a way that like, I don't think other people in the country understand what's happening here and how big it is. So um, I, I want legislation on our governor's desk that will actually reduce the cost of insurance to folks and 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 protect health care. Right. Like this mm-hmm. is a health care issue it also. Is. That's right. And I'm not sure that we're having enough conversations about the health care aspects of this issue. But once we get there, I think perhaps this legislature can get something that the governor will support and sign. Hmm. Do, you, do you think this leads to some sort of compromise or is this just going to be the two sides at loggerheads the governor says you know i i can't sign that and then we're back to square one we've we've got a governor who spent years in the legislature and knows how to knows how to how to work that legislative system i think that she can she can she can drag a compromise out of folks i honestly do think she does Mm -hmm. yeah all right lavora barnes new chair of the michigan democratic party it's really great to have you here thanks for having me on today we'll have you back i would love to come back yeah all right all right up next we're going to talk about the showdown that is shaping up in lansing over insurance reform we'll talk about those bills where they are and what the governor might do with them we want to hear from you as well what do you think about this idea of insurance reform is this the way to lower our premiums stay with us on detroit today